pray with me, please, as we open up this part of John's Gospel together. Father, thank you for all that you've been teaching us from John's Gospel so far this term. And Lord, we pray that you will teach us again tonight. Lord, please, as we say that, we don't ask just for information and head knowledge, but we ask to see Jesus clearly and to know him, follow him, see him, to be changed by him. And so we commit this time together into your good grace in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, having lived in Australia for almost 18 years now, if you can believe that, uh, I usually don't keep in, news, uh, keep in touch, though, with news from Canada very much anymore. Uh, that is, of course, unless a family member tells me about something or there's something really big in the world news or if a headline catches my eye. This happened for me a few years back. I came across this headline. It said, Canadian man fakes death over $6,000 fraud. So apparently there was this man who had been investigated uh, for fraud a couple of years before, and he was also found guilty of tax evasion. So then in August 2006, they found his truck. It was parked next to a river, and there was a suicide note inside. At the time, it looked like all of the trouble had caught up with him, and he took his own life. Or at least, that's what everybody thought. A little while later, a newspaper ran a story about him, and somebody tipped off the police. See, this supposedly dead man had moved to Newfoundland, of all places where I'm from. He was living under a false name. He had taken a job as a carpenter. And I guess the person who called the police must have recognized the picture started to piece together all the shady details, and, well, it all unraveled from there. Uh, the man, as you might expect, he ended up arrested. Uh, he was charged with fraud. He had faked his own death to try to get away with it. He should have did something like move to Australia, go to Bible college. You can cover anything with that, let me tell you. you know, but, it, but it's crazy, isn't it? You know, think about it from this perspective. If you had come to know this man in his new life... It would all be a pack of lies. If you tried to find out his story, you'd have to untangle what's true and what's false. If you wanted to get closer to him, to be this man's friend, you'd be sadly disappointed, wouldn't you? In our passage from John's Gospel today, we have this man and people are making big claims about him. But as people start to look into him, uh, to get closer to him, they don't find any exaggerated stories. Uh, none of the big claims about him are lies. They actually find the opposite. They find that he is bigger and he is truer than anyone might have ever expected. See, today we're looking at the story of the first disciples, the first followers of Jesus who realized who he truly is. So we're going to ask these sorts of questions today. How do you become a follower of Jesus? How do you clearly see that what people are saying about him is true? How do we see him for who he really is? Well, the first answer is to check out the claims for yourself. The characters in this story, they follow up on the claims about uh, Jesus. Have a look with me, please, at verses 35 to 39. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. 
When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Remember, over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the story of John the Baptist, the man who was sent to prepare the way for Jesus. Well, now we come to a turning point in John's gospel. Uh, the focus it shifts away from John the Baptist as he literally points out Jesus to his followers. As Jesus walks by, he says, look, look, this is the one I've been telling you about, the Lamb of God. And so two people, Andrew and another who's unnamed, decide to check out that claim. What's interesting here is that these men were already disciples of John the Baptist. Remember, John was a very, very big deal in his time. He had his own followers. In fact, he even has followers to this day with a big population of them here in Sydney, if you didn't know. Those of you in growth groups will get a bit of that in a study towards the end of the term. But I want us to notice what these men here did. They didn't say this. They didn't say, well, look, we're following John already. We've got this religious stuff all sorted out. There's no need to look any further. Now, they heard what John said. They realized that Jesus was worth looking into, and so they followed him. This then led to a conversation. Jesus turned around. He asked them what they wanted. Now, I personally think Jesus already knew the answer. He was really saying, well, what are you really looking for? What do you really want? And then they replied with another question. Rabbi, where are you staying? Now, that might sound a little bit strange to us. You know, would you answer Jesus with that kind of question? So where are you staying? It makes more sense when we see that they called him rabbi. They have at least some understanding of Jesus as a spiritual or religious teacher. And in the culture of their day, a teacher was highly respected. And so Andrew and this other man, they probably didn't want to just blurt out their big questions right away with someone so important. It just wasn't the way you did it. They probably wanted to sit down, get to know him, and ask the right questions at the right time, in a more respectful sort of way. So Jesus said, come and see. And they accepted his invitation. They were willing to check Jesus out. That's what happens a few times in this passage. Let's jump to another scene a little later. I want us to look from verse 45. And here we see that Philip has already met Jesus and he shares the good news with Nathanael. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. 
Despite Philip's excitement about Jesus, Nathanael isn't so sure. He says, how can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, we're not exactly sure what he meant by that. Uh, Maybe, with Nazareth being only a very small town, uh, Nathanael figured, well, somebody impressive like the promised Messiah, there's no way he could come from somewhere like that. That might be what he was thinking. Whatever the reason, though, he is critical when he hears Philip's news. But here's what I want us to see. Despite this first reaction, he is still willing to check out the claims about Jesus and take it further. See, there is good and there is bad skepticism. I once came across a website called the Skeptics Annotated Bible, and it highlights some of the tricky verses in Scripture to try to show that the Bible or the good book is not so good after all. And with a point to show that it can't be trusted. It even groups the uh, passages and verses under headings. I took a little bit of a screen grab there, as you can see. It uses headings and like contradictions or sex, you know, adding a bit of shock value you know, as you try to understand the Bible. And the site states its aim very clearly. I quote, To help those who believe in the Bible to honestly reconsider that belief. It will help those who are unfamiliar with the Bible to resist the temptation to believe. And it will help those who have already rejected the Bible defend their position. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with taking a good look at the more difficult parts of the Bible. But I personally wouldn't call that good skepticism. Because it starts with a position that you've got it all worked out and you don't want to look any further. In some people, this can even mean a closed mind, a critical mind, or maybe pride. It doesn't leave room for the Bible to actually possibly be true. But good skepticism is when you're a bit cautious, and you want to check it out a bit more before committing to an idea. It's asking honest questions rather than shooting something down with a closed no right away. And that type of skepticism can actually be healthy. Jesus knew that that is what described Nathanael. So he read in verse 47, When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. See, despite Nathanael's first reaction, he wasn't uh, full of deceit. He had an open mind. That's what Jesus is getting at here in those words. He was humble in that sort of sense. That's the first step for anyone. You can't commit to someone if you don't know who you're committing to. To get to know Jesus, you have to be willing to listen to him with an open mind. You need to be able to say, well, maybe I don't have all this religious stuff sorted out. How can I know if I haven't at least checked out Jesus for myself? This doesn't mean that you can never have doubts or questions. It just means that having questions can't be an excuse for not giving him the time of day. Where are you when it comes to being willing to look into Jesus. To any of us here who may not know him yet, are you willing to listen to him with an open mind? Can you allow for the possibility that there might be more to see and learn? Do you realize that if you come with questions, you might find them answered? So of course, we're very happy that you're here with us today, just sitting in this church and hearing what we had to say about Jesus is a step in that direction. 
But you know, this is also true for those of us here who already follow Jesus. Looking into him goes beyond just checking into him for that very first time only. It plays out as we continue to go to him, you know, to hear what he has to say, to keep learning how we fit into his story. It plays out as we let his truth continue to shape our life. It sort of builds on what I said a couple of weeks ago, uh, to keep looking where John is pointing. Or maybe we can say all of this more simply. We can live out this passage by constantly responding to Jesus' call to come and see. Being willing to let Jesus keep challenging us, to keep hearing him in his word, wanting to grow in our relationship with him. Not saying, well, yeah, I've got all that religious stuff sorted out now. So a big part of becoming and being a follower of Jesus is checking him out. But there's actually something else that we see in this passage. People become Christians because of their actual encounter with Jesus himself. The encounter with Jesus himself. First they go and see, they check out Christ, and when they do, they find someone amazing. It tells us here that Andrew and the other disciples spent the day with Jesus. Look at the effect that it had on Andrew. This is in verses 41 and 42. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. I wonder what really happened that day. If they had met Jesus at the 10th hour, that was 4 p.m. They never even had a whole day with him. Personally, I think that it was more than them just going with questions and finding that Jesus had the answers. They found way more than they expected. I think spending time face-to-face with Jesus blew their minds, and they were convicted that he was the one. And I say this because they would have met somebody who already knew them inside out. Look at what Jesus says to Simon in verse 42. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Jesus knew exactly what Simon would become. A rock, a pillar of the faith, a foundational apostle. So he renamed renamed him Cephas, which means rock. See, these men, they didn't meet a teacher with impressive words. They called him rabbi at first. That was their understanding. But they found themselves standing before the answer. And we see this as well later when Jesus, he said about Nathaniel, truly, here comes someone in whom there's nothing false. How did Nathaniel answer? He said, how did, how did you know me? How do you know what I'm like, what I'm thinking? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip asked me to come asked you to come and see me. Nathaniel, I know you inside out. I know everything about you. I knew you before you knew me. I know your heart. Nathaniel, I knew you would come. And faced with this divine supernatural answer in verse 49, Nathaniel declares, "Rabbi, you are the son of God." You are the king of Israel. From skeptic to convert, from questions to assurance, Nathaniel was convicted by the heart-knowing and heart 
changing Christ. And the beautiful thing is that's exactly how it still works today. First you come and see, and your eyes and your heart are opened. You're transformed. So maybe you're sitting here today, and you don't know Jesus for who he truly is. Maybe you can't say, along with these very first disciples and Christians since then, that he is the Messiah, that he's the Christ, the Savior, the Son of God, you know, using all the language of John's gospel here. If that describes you, I invite you to spend time with Jesus. Or maybe you've known him or you know him, but the fire is gone. He's real. He's not big news anymore like, he, like he's here on these pages. You've lost that burden to know him more deeply or for others to enjoy knowing him. If that's you, well, I also invite you to spend time with Jesus. And so this is what I suggest. It's actually very simple. Get a hold of a Bible. If you don't have one, contact our church office. We'll make sure we get a Bible for you. We'll go to a website called Bible Gateway and read it online. And I invite you to read John's Gospel. Just this part of scripture that we are exploring over this term. But I want you to read it like this. Just go slowly through it in your own time. Let down all barriers, all fears, all preconceived ideas. Be honest with your doubts and your questions. And pray as you read, Jesus, really show me yourself. Don't hold anything back. I want to see you face to face the way these first disciples did. See, Jesus himself promises, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. As the invitation says in this passage, I ask you to check out Jesus. Come and see. But you know, we need to be inviting as a church as well. See, we're part of a chain of events that began here on these pages. It began in this passage, you know, with the calling of the first disciples. There's a pattern here that's continued to this day. Think about your own Christian walk. How did you hear? I know it's going to be different for each of us. Maybe your parents or a friend told you. Maybe your parents brought you from a young age. You've always gone to church. Uh, maybe somebody brought you to church when you were older. Maybe somebody gave you a Bible to read. Maybe you were invited to a special event or a church social that had a bit of a gospel talk. However it happened, you know and you love Jesus because you came and you saw and you heard and you followed. Isn't that how it happens? Every Christian in this church, we are another link in this chain that began being forged right here. For 2,000 years, people have been saying, hey, we found the Savior. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. So we have to keep forging links in this chain. That's what ministry is. Our local mission should be to say to people, come and see. We know somebody who you need to know about. And as I say that, please don't miss the hope in this. Because, see, sometimes we are our own worst critics, okay? Okay. We beat ourselves up because we feel like we don't have the right words. How in the world could I ever say something about Jesus, you know? But it's not about our words ultimately, is it? It's about the word, the Jesus of John's gospel. He's introduced here as the word. 
Our job has never been to explain every single detail of Christianity or to have an answer for every single possible question that people could ask. Now, yes, while those kinds of conversations, more detailed ones, they do have their time and place, don't get me wrong, the basic thing that we should be either saying or simply showing with our lives is, come and let me introduce you to the one who you should know. And so a takeaway from a passage like this is to simply pray for an opportunity to introduce someone to Jesus, like Andrew did here, like Philip did here. Invite somebody to a Sunday afternoon barbecue. Just invite some church family along and some others, some of your friends. Just be yourselves. You know, open space in your growth group for seekers. Deliberately open a space there and have some people in there and let that be comfortable for them with their honest questions. Ask somebody to come along with you to church, particularly with Christmas. Can you believe only about six weeks away? But it's an opportunity, isn't it? But see, the pattern here in John's gospel is very encouraging. It tells us that when we make the bold step of inviting people, we're not actually trying to convert them through how impressive our words are. What we're doing is asking them to come and see Jesus for themselves. And when they hear the gospel, when they hear the truths of Christ in Scripture, it's Jesus himself who convicts them. He's the one who knows them inside out and who changes them from inside out. And he's the one who will give them new life. Look with me, please, at the last couple of verses in our passage, verses 50 and 51. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Here Jesus is referring to Jacob, one of the early fathers of the people of Israel. Jacob encountered God in a dream, a dream of a ladder reaching to heaven with the angels going up and down on it. Jesus is saying here that he is that ladder. He is the pathway to heaven. He is the way to the Father. And us, in 2019, we have seen the greater things that are mentioned here because we know what Jesus came to do, don't we? We know that Jesus died on the cross and rose again to give people access to God. We've seen in God's war that he is the one who pays for our sins so that we can stand in the presence of a holy God, cleansed and forgiven as his children. And so we must ask people then to spend time with this Jesus. They're lost without him because he is the only ladder to heaven. But Jesus himself will guide us as we guide people to him. As we say what's written here, come and see. And friends, as I close this sermon on my last Sunday of preaching here at Epping, I want to encourage you all and say, you know, this really is a big part of the summary of the Christian life. To come and see. Come and see what's really real. Keep coming to Jesus. Keep seeing him. That's what we do in our life. Come and see the hope that will never disappoint. Come and see the truth, the answer to the questions. Come and see the answer when the world wants to tell us it has all the other answers that are really real. Come and see the one who truly knows you inside out and can journey with you and walk with you because he knows you in the deepest places as no one else does. Come and see the one who will never let you go.
Come and see. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you for this passage in John's Gospel. Uh, Lord, a passage that many of us are probably familiar with, but we ask that, uh, despite knowing it, we ask, please, that we will see this as a pattern for us to follow. And so, Lord, we pray for anyone sitting here today who might not know Jesus for who he really is, and we pray that you will give them the courage to come and see, to really see Jesus for who he is, to spend time with him. Lord, for those of us here who already know Jesus, we ask that our lives will be marked by coming to him and seeing him and doing that over and over again. And Lord, for our church as a whole, we ask that that's what we'll be doing in our ministries, inviting people to come and see. Lord, thank you for this time in your word, and we ask that you will change us by it. In Jesus' great name, 